Good morning. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, creator of every good gift, with the psalmist we proclaim and confess this morning that all that breathes should praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we ask in this time together that we would praise you with the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart, that we would praise you. Let us leave our preoccupations aside and hide in the cross of Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, you learn a lot of things from your children. I knew that popular music was an interpreter of popular culture. And so I, I asked my kids to sort of keep me up to date with what's happening. But your kids, you know, after so many years, they sort of know who you are. And so when you ask them to lead you down an adventuresome path, they're going to give you helpful but not uncensored advice. <laughs> my, my daughter, I asked my sons and my daughter, but in our household, the daughter is the one, the responsible one, and so she's the one that gave the feedback. And she said, well, Daddy, uh, you can listen to uh, Neo Soul. But on Pandora, you need to make sure you got the filters on so that you don't learn any unbaptist stuff there. <laughs> but you can find information, even outside of neo-soul, that can help you understand popular culture. Popular culture is often about me. It was... 1992, Reba McIntyre composed and sung the song, It's Your Call. Now this is about a, a complicated relationship and I won't go into the gory details of this. But one Sunday morning in 1993, I saw this preacher use Reba McIntyre as the entrance into the sermon. Now, as you can imagine, in certain parts of Texas, this, isn't, this is a, an altogether appropriate strategy. And near the end of the sermon, he pulled out his cell phone. Now, cell phones in 1993 were a fairly rare thing. And he pretended to hear a ring. And he closed the sermon by reaching the cell phone out to the congregation and saying, it's your call. We are a culture that really likes it's your call. In fact, IBM has a television commercial. You make the call. It's your call. 
It's interesting that even they can recognize the full semantic range of call. It is a decision. It is a choice. It is a responsibility. This semester we're going to talk about call. And last week Dr. Tucker helped us encounter Exodus chapter 3. And now we're in Genesis. Abram and Sarai in chapter 12. Before we dig into the text, I want us to be clear about who Abram and Sarai are. For you see, all too often, readers displace these characters and turn them into archetypes, which really means us. Abram was an archetypal figure already in the time of the writings of Paul. We see this archetypal move in Kierkegaard's fear and trembling, and I have to confess, I wanted to really blame this on the enlightenment in Kierkegaard. But Dr. Still reminded me this already happened with the Apostle Paul. And what this devolved into was a priesthood of every believer. I'm going to try to, to, to quote this from Dr. Brewer, but if I mess it up, you can talk to Dr. Brewer and he'll, he'll explain what it means. So that every believer is a congregation under his own hat. A sort of preoccupation, it's my call. But today I want to invite you to retrieve the Hebrew and Jewish reading of this passage. For that community, Abram is not every person. But he is the father of the community. Kyle McCarter in an article on Abraham in the Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible describes him as an eponymous ancestor. According to dictionary.com, eponymous is an adjective giving one's name to a tribe, place, or etc. In other words, he's more than a single person. And he puts us into something beyond our own individual story. The call of Abram and Sarai is a call of a people. The song we just sang talked about a pilgrim people. And all too often when we read Genesis 12, we forget the people and move so quickly to the eye. Now, we can also get a clue from what happens canonically in this piece. Genesis 12 is the beginning of the story of the Hebrew people as a distinct people. As children of Abraham. It's interesting that Noah is selected before Abraham, but Abraham is the one who becomes the father of the people. It becomes a tribal story. 
Last week, Dr. Tucker rehearsed for us part of the story of George Truett. He told us that Truett had planned to be a lawyer. And he gave us a hint that surprise and the unexpected may be characteristic in the call narratives. And this chapter begins with a certain level of surprise. Notice the language. God said to Abram, go you. It begins with an imperative. For those of you who have had Hebrew, you know what an imperative is. And for those of you who have not had Hebrew, you will soon know what an imperative is. Go you. This go language is part and parcel of call. To the land I will cause you to see. Dr. Tucker reminded us last week the role of seeing in call narratives. But I want you to take a moment. Many translations will render this the land I will show you. Now I want to argue today that show is just too weak a translation. Have you ever shown someone something and it was clear they didn't get it? Some of you have nodded and some of you are just more successful teachers. <laughs> when the text says, I will cause you to see, this is more than just demonstrate. This is a compelling vision. Genesis 12.1 is a call without a definite destination. Go to the place I will cause you to see. Kathy and I have been married for over 43 years, and so I tried to think of, okay, now how, how am I going to have this conversation? I come home and I say, hi, honey. Got a call today, and we're to go someplace. I have no idea where it is. But that will emerge. That's a tough conversation. A conversation to go boldly, we don't know where. From this perspective, we can understand what it means to leave. There's no special verb to leave in this passage. It just says go. And we infer that go means leave. And you're going from, from the world you know. To leave and set off from the familiar, the land, the kindred, the father's house. The Jewish Neoplatonist philosopher Philo, in his book, The Migrations of Abraham, says that this is not so much a space as it is a state of mind. Have you ever known people who went to a new place, but they didn't leave their state of mind? My son used to uh, do comedy in Austin and they had a, a show of people complaining about life in Austin, people who weren't from Austin complaining about Austin. And one of the favorite songs was, 
go back to wherever you came from. Philo argues this is more about a change of mind than just a change of geography. Abraham and Sarah are more than just archetypes, more than just symbols of you and me. They represent a broader community. Dr. Bender tells us that Bart holds together certain dialectics of church and believer, clergy and laity that must always be kept in tension so that we do not preoccupy ourselves with one at the expense of others. I think that helps us understand this passage. We aren't so much to get so caught up in our own call that we forget that we are part of a pilgrim people. I find it interesting that Bart discusses both the Exodus 3 passage and Genesis 12 in his discussion of human vocation and the Christian witness. But this is not to emphasize the clergy, but rather, I think, to pay attention to the role of baptism. For we are all witnesses in baptism. In Genesis 12, God calls Abram on behalf of a people, on behalf of a believing community. It is a call of a believing community of Hebrews. Now, at my home church, Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, someone would say about now, but we've not heard a word about Jesus. You know, the land that God will cause Abram, the believing community, to see is a land for his family. And how do we have access? We are not children of Abraham by genetics. Our DNA does not run with Abraham. Let me say clearly, we have access to Abraham only through water and blood, as the hymn says. Only through baptism does this become part of our story. It is the call of the Christian church that we need to hear that holds together church and believer. It is the call of the Baptist movement that we need to hear. Lottie Moon, Smith and Helwes, Martin Luther King Jr. Sometimes with call it is not being preoccupied with our call but the call of the church that God will cause the church to see. Genesis 12 is not about your call, but the text does not leave us bereft. Indeed, we can participate in the call of the beloved community through the baptism that we experience in the church. The baptism into 
the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not your call, but you do have a chance to participate. What do you say? Do you want to participate in God's call to the believing community?